This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. I'm Rod Hatley, and this is this is Legacy Leaders, and I have the privilege today to speak with Brett Hughes, who is a financial advisor with Centura Wealth Advisory here in San Diego. Uh, Brett, welcome to Throwdown. Thanks so much for having me, Rod. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for uh, bringing to the sit-in with us today. And let's see. So, just tell us very quickly about your company, Centura Wealth Advisors, for those who may not be familiar with the company. Sure. So, yeah. Th- thanks again for having me. So, I am a wealth advisor at Centura Wealth Advisory. We are a San Diego-based registered investment advisor, and really, all that means is that we're a third-party advisor that doesn't have any affiliations with the kind of the large broker-dealers, Schwab, UBS, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, etc. How we're compensated is really just from the clients that we serve. So I think that's really the distinguishing factor is our independence. We were founded in 2016. Today we manage right around 800 million uh, in assets. We really bifurcate our business into two areas. One is investment management, and then the other one is in financial planning. And the specific focus on the planning side is in income tax planning solutions and wealth transfer planning solutions. And so I think that's a big differentiator for us is really our focus on those two specific planning topics and looking to add a lot of value in, in tax savings across, again, income tax planning and, and wealth transfer planning. Well, let's see. Let me, let me just ask you, how did you get into financial advising? What got you into your career, if you can share that? With you? Well, that's a great question. So I've been doing this for 15 years now. And frankly, when I graduated college, I got a degree in corporate finance with a minor in investments, and I really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do with that upon leaving college. What I knew was I had a customer service background. I basically grew up in the service industry, did catering for 10 or 15 years, and really liked working with clients directly. I did a lot of party planning and just the dynamic of putting together events, working directly with clients, and and putting together a a project or an output that both I was happy with and the clients were happy with was fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But then I had a, an interest in math and economics. And really, I, I tried to find a way of how was I going to blend that together, the client service component of things and my interest in math, economics, and, and market finances. I really learned about being a financial advisor through Schwab and Vanguard at the time and basically decided to start my career at Schwab and got the opportunity to work with basically retail Schwab investors on a daily basis early on in my career. And that really is just kind of further developed to wanting to build closer, tighter relationships with in clients and really help out with all of their needs, which 
over the time has gotten more complex as I've learned different things and different tools and the different aspects that go into building a financial plan um, has really kind of gotten me where I am today, uh, being a certified financial planner, independent uh, wealth advisory firm. Uh, let's see. What do you enjoy most about what you do? And maybe on the flip side of that, what are you not so thrilled about, but it's part and parcel of what you do? Sure. I think the the aspect that I like the most is being able to take really complex subjects and very important subjects to clients and break that down into something that's simple and digestible, something easy to understand. I and mean, ultimately just providing clarity around what a, what a client or a prospect's financial picture looks like today, how that relates to their goals on where they want to get to in the short term and the long term, and then ultimately being able to kind of sit in the driver's seat and helping them align their goals with where they are today and, and creating a, a path forward to achieving those goals. I think that's the aspect that I like the most is just helping folks do that. I think the part that I, I maybe struggle with or find the, the least fulfilling in some cases is running across client situations where you know, maybe they're attempting to engage me too late in the process, or maybe they've worked with another advisor and, and haven't gotten maybe the best advice to, to what's got them where they are today. And, you know, either not being able to help out because of timing constraints, let's say, right. or being in a situation where, you know, clients could have made better decisions earlier on that would have put them in a different situation today. And I guess where I'm going with that is oftentimes I, I find those conversations, it's, it's more of a conversation around um, having to make, having the clients having to consider making some lifestyle changes when if we could have gotten engaged earlier, maybe just started the planning earlier in the process, uh, we would have had more opportunity to, to be able to drive a plan towards meeting those goals as opposed to really needing to reassess what those goals are and the, the feasibility and uh, achieving those. Fair enough. Thanks for uh, sharing that. What would what's an ideal client for you or a referral for you um, in terms of the the kinds of clients that you like to work with and where you feel like you can move the needle in terms of the value that you can provide? Thanks for asking about that. I think it's changed over time. Again, um, as skill sets have grown and as clients' needs have grown with the types of clients I've been able to work with. Today, what that client profile looks like, they kind of break down into three categories. The The first category is clients with income north of a million dollars per year. Um, so effectively, our firm is based in California, San Diego specifically. We work with a lot of California clients. We do work with clients all over the country and world, but specifically, if, if you're a client living in California and have over a million dollars of income, I can expect that your income tax bill between federal and state is north of $400,000. And typically through the income tax planning work that we do, we can mitigate, reduce, or save in general 20 to 80% of that client's, depending upon the, that client's decision-making at the end of the day. And typically we're able to do that in the first year and then in subsequent years, again, based upon that client's decision. The next category I really break down into four Ds, that's death, divorce, disposition of real estate without a 1031 exchange, and disposition of a business. Primarily, I'm working with either real estate investors, real estate owners that have a large real estate portfolio, and you're either looking to remove some concentration, diversify, or, or in general, just sell some properties that maybe have seen kind of gone through their life cycle in the portfolio. 
where I'm working with business owners and primarily, again, there we're focused on income tax planning solutions, sometimes wealth transfer planning solutions. And, and for those clients, again, we can typically save 20 to 80% of that tax bill. And I'd say for the business owners, it's typically north of 50%, just given some of the additional strategies that uh, somebody in a control position has the ability to implement. And then the third category of clients, I, I really just classify as individuals or married couples with large estates. So individuals with more than $13 million and then married couples with more than $26 million typically are going to need some help with some wealth transfer solutions. Let's see. Um, can you share maybe a um, an example of, of a, a success that you know is really gratifying for you? And on the flip side of that, possibly maybe a, a case that just maybe the planning got take, undertaken too late or what have you. And so it just wasn't the, the outcome that you'd hoped or even the client had hoped uh, to achieve. Can you share either of those stories with us? Sure. And, and maybe I'll start with the not as great outcome first. So I, I had a client that worked with for really a 10-year period of time or so from his probably late 70s to early 90s, maybe a 15-year period of time. And he had come to me already having some other professionals in his life, an estate planning attorney, a CPA, and those individuals had served him for a number of years. And he had already had an estate plan set up. He had already had his taxes kind of in order. And, and really what he had come to me for was investment management. And our process is very holistic. So even if a client comes to us and their their state and needed just to manage their investments, we're still going to dive into a, a full process that we have um, to uncover all the facts, establish assumptions, and uncover the goals, and really determine is the entire plan aligned with what the client's goals are from the investments to the legal to the tax. And ultimately, in working with this client, what myself and some of my teammates determined is the client's estate plan really wasn't aligned as well with what his goals were as he as he thought it was. And then in addition, as a result of some of the legislative changes, specifically the 2017 Tax and Jobs Act, his estate plan really needed to be revisited. And what I found is I was able to get through to him on the investment side of things, and we were able to reallocate his portfolio and to create some alignment across the investments relative to his goals. But what I wasn't able to do was really break through some of the prior relationships that this client had with an estate planning attorney and a CPA to really open up the conversation around other ideas or, or ways to potentially continue to address the estate um, that he had. And, and this client in particular had an estate over $30 million. Well, and and uh, at the end of the day, based on his estate plan, at about a seven to eight million dollar estate tax liability um, towards the end of his life, and uh, there were several planning opportunities to mitigate what that estate tax liability could look like and create a better alignment across where the assets would ultimately travel to. This is a client that was, I think, on his third or fourth marriage, so had a few different sets of kids, one or two wives to, to, to contend with in this as well. And ultimately, you know, there's really just a paralysis and wanting to move forward with any planning, I think, relative to potentially upsetting some of the family members, not 100% understanding, you know, that there was possibilities to do some estate planning and not completely remove some of the control aspect. That was an important aspect for this individual. 
Sure. And ultimately, I uh, ended up passing away a year and a half ago without making any of those estate changes. Okay. And it did result in about a, a, an eight or nine million dollar tax liability, okay. which I didn't I didn't like to see. And then certainly the G2, the, the kid, you know, it, it was difficult to have those conversations and express why that tax liability existed and mm-hmm. why it wasn't addressed. And in hindsight, it would have just been a lot nicer to be able to really have conversations with some of the other professionals that were involved in this client's life, really dig into what the goals were and what the current plan in place was and talk about some different solutions. Right. Um, And I think the client would have ended up with a much better outcome at the end of the day, as would would the family members. So that was a a situation that was was difficult for me to work through, kind of felt handicapped and got a lot of solutions I feel like can help. But at the end of the day, the client just wasn't willing to to take those steps in progressing things. So on the positive, it does. And so I I wanted to dovetail that into a positive outcome because it was somewhat similar. And this was a client that was introduced to me about a year, year and a half ago. And this particular client, our clients are business owners up in LA, and we're doing some pre-liquidity planning where they anticipated being able to sell their business or take their business to market sometime over the next two to five years. Mm -hmm. And they had been referred to us through their M&A banker who we worked with in the past to help out some of his other clients in income tax planning solutions and wealth transfer planning solutions. And so this client, this was really a life-changing event. Their prior to their business really kind of blowing up in value, this client didn't have a very large balance sheet. Their lives were not overly complex from a financial standpoint. And their business was ex- is expected to sell somewhere between 75 and $100 million. And so again, this is a very significant lifestyle change for them. And so the other professionals in, the, in these clients' lives, the CPA, the estate planning attorney, really didn't have the experience or, or expertise to, to serve these clients on a forward-looking basis. They did a really good job of completing the tax returns for the clients on a year-to-year basis based on the business at that point. And the estate planning attorney did a good job of drafting the estate plan, the revocable trust, wills, healthcare directives, et cetera, based on the client's balance sheet and projection, right. you know, two or three years ago. But as we start to incorporate this liquidity event, we really quickly realized that the other professionals didn't have the experience and expertise to really carry out a plan in line with the liquidity event that they were expected to go through. And the clients really just didn't understand all of these different aspects. So I think that the enjoyable aspect for me was really going through the education process of what estate planning actually means and what the possibilities, the outcomes could look like for a client, right? as well as you know, how all of this affects taxes. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, my goal is to try to keep the most amount of money in the client's pocket as possible, whether that's through the investment side of things, the planning side of things with, with the state planning or tax planning, all of this comes together and needs to be coordinated to drive to an optimal result. And it was really rewarding to be able to educate the client on how all of these different components go together and drive towards achieving that that really good result. And so basically from June of last year through December of last year, we did a lot in the way of estate planning and, and designing different structures that would potentially move some assets outside of their estate to, to, to their two children, 
while also ensuring that we left enough capital inside or enough resources inside their estate that they're never going to have an issue in maintaining and living out their lifestyle. So what I think we were able to achieve is really a nice balance between uh, maintaining their current lifestyle and their current needs while creating a, a situation that's optimal from a tax standpoint and wealth transfer perspective that's going to benefit their kids, you know, 20, 30, 50, 60 years down the road. Fabulous. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And, and those clients uh, ended up actually getting an LOI for their business the last two weeks and are expected to sell in the next two or three months. And Fabulous. exactly the the planning work that we did seems like it's it's going to align well with the structure of the business sale. So this client is ultimately going to achieve a really phenomenal result somewhere in the range of probably a 15 to $20 million tax savings, again, on a, a 50 to $75 million uh, sale event is kind of where, where we've done the analysis and run the numbers. And obviously, they're overjoyed and having worked with you, I'm sure they realize what value you brought to, to the conversation. So congratulations on that. Let's talk for a minute. The phrase trusted advisor gets kind of bandied about out there and I mean, I, I suppose all of us want to be looked at or looked to as the trusted advisor for our clients. That is that person that you would go to for, you know, whatever recommendation, you know, hey, I need a, in my case, for example, I've had clients reach out to me, look, you know, our son got into trouble, you know, a good criminal defense attorney who could help him, et cetera. And the answer is sure. Let me reach out to my uh, my network, and I'll find you someone, and I'll do a warm email introduction, and you know, get you connected that way. So I suppose for you know, the, but what does it mean to you? I mean, I, obviously, it means different things to different people. But I'm always curious to know what does it mean to the other professionals that I that I have the privilege to work with. And for your for you, what what do those words really mean? Great question, Rod, and uh, I, I appreciate you walking me through kind of your example. I think that resonates with me when it comes to thinking about what does the term trusted advisor truly mean. For me, it's it's really being that person that being the go-to person for anything, any decision making a client is is attempting to make in their life. And that can be a financial decision, it can be a legal decision, it can be a car purchase, it can, you know, it can be any kind of decision. But really my goal is to build enough trust with a client or a prospect that they know it doesn't matter what question they ask me, they're going to get an unbiased response that is in line with their personality, their goals, and, and generally with in line with the way that they think about life. And so that, that's really what primarily comes, comes to mind is being that go-to person to bounce ideas off of, whether it's a financial-related item or not, and the client knowing that whatever that answer is, going to put them in a better situation or put them in contact with somebody that's going to put them in a better situation than they are today. I think that, that that's kind of what resonates with me when I think about the term trusted advisor. Okay. Thank you. Uh, let's see. What's the one thing that people should know about you as a wealth advisor? I know I'm putting it on the spot and it's probably no. all order, but I'll um, ask the question. On the personal or the, or the professional side of things, I think the thing that I think clients should know the first and foremost is I care de deeply about client outcomes and transparency and communication are two big core values of mine. And I think in any relationship, if you can have solid communication and it's a, a transparent working relationship where clients know what I'm doing, I'm proactive about 
reaching out to them about changes in economic politics legislation i want to I, I want to be that trusted advisor back to that that uh, prior question that uh, we were talking about so i think the the one thing that i would just want people to to know is that i i deeply care about the outcomes and really want to drive to to an exceptional result whatever that may be let's see i'll throw this out there as a question to be a financial advisor and i guess that's kind of a catch all for what you do what does it mean to be a financial advisor? Have you ever given any thought? I have. I, you know, and I think it's a great question because that that term is so general in today's day and age that you know I think it just warrants some exploration. You know, for example, the barrier to entry in this industry to be a financial advisor is not very high. Meaning, it's basically a couple of tests. You pass a, a series seven and sixty three, and series sixty six are really the three primary licensing exams that you need to have to be a financial advisor and, and quote, pro- provide financial advice. But being a financial advisor, I think, is, is so much more than just passing the test and having the kind of book level knowledge. To me, it's, it's being able to understand and relate to what clients are going through and being able to take that book knowledge, whether it be the financial planning knowledge, the investment knowledge, knowledge that's acquired through a designation like the certified financial planner and applying that knowledge base towards the client situation and being able to optimize and drive toward a good solution for a client or a a solution that's going to be sustainable and achievable for a client. And I think that, you know, that's sometimes hard to come by in a financial advisor. Some financial advisors are very transactional based where it's just, let's look at you know, one point in time or one specific situation and let's solve, you know, whatever that one need is here. And I think a good financial advisor, whether a client comes to them for transactional needs or otherwise, is really going to take a step back and try to understand a client's holistic picture and drive towards really solving the client's needs at a, at a holistic level than maybe just answering a stated question or working on a transactional basis. That makes sense. So I think, yes. you know, the term financial advisor, again, is, is just, it's so broad. I think, you know, really a, a good financial advisor is going to be very comprehensive and the solutions that he or she is able to provide and looking to really understand the client's investments, estate plan, tax plan, retirement plan, all of the different aspects that go into running somebody's life or household, um, focusing on that as opposed to just a transaction or, you know, a single point in time. Okay. Thank you. Who are your best referral sources? Another great question. So best referral sources, end up being what I refer to as centers of influence. So that's individuals like yourself, fraud, estate planning attorneys, CPAs, maybe they're M&A bankers, valuation firms. They end up being professionals that ultimately I end up working very closely with to really drive towards those optimal results for clients. Right. And, you know, essentially we don't have all the solutions and have all of the expertise. One thing that we realized over you know, the last 15 plus years that myself and other individuals have been doing this is we've got, we haven't gotten here overnight and we've gotten here through a collaborative nature with other professionals. And so centers of influence tend to be our best referral source because they're working with similar clients that have similar needs. And in general, we're all striving towards finding these ideal or 
or optimal solutions for clients. And we realize that we can drive towards those optimal solutions better when we partner with one another than when we're not working in a, in kind of a conjoined or, or joint effort towards clients. So I'd say vendors of influence first, financial advisors, believe it or not, actually end up being a, a very good referral source for us. And I think that's mainly because of the differentiation that we have in income tax planning solutions and wealth transfer planning solutions that we strive and specifically for the types of clients that we serve. You know, what I found is most financial advisors, you know, maybe five to 10% of their book of business is comprised of these business owners or, or these high net worth individuals that really have income north of a million, balance sheets north of 10 million to a billion dollars. And what we found is, is these advisors' business models are good, but they're really not geared towards solving these high net worth business owner complex situations. And oftentimes these advisors either don't have the bandwidth, the resources, or in some cases, really the expertise, knowledge base to, to, to drive towards these complex solutions. And so they're willing to bring uh, Centura into the mix, make an introduction to their clients to really drive towards that optimal planning solution that is is con- is joined with that investment solution. And we're happy to work with with these financial advisors and doing joint casework and driving and helping them drive towards a really good solution for their clients. It's really a win-win-win for us. We get to do really good work, get to achieve a, an optimal solution for a client. We get to educate a, a financial advisor and a client in the process. Sure. And in turn, hopefully we have two raving fans out of that, the client and the financial advisor, and hopefully additional business business sources as a result. And I'd say that the third category is really clients that have become raving fans of our service. So most clients that work with us, I, I think taking a step back, we will only engage with a client when we're confident that we can add exponential value to the relationship. And if we don't feel like we can do that, within the first meeting or two, we're just going to be honest with the client and and let them know, you know, this just isn't the right fit for whatever reason. We can't provide the value that we would want to. And as a result of really having that mindset and that transparency with clients, we're able to really drive exceptional results. And in turn, clients become raving fans of Centura and tell their friends, family, other business owners about the experiences that they've had with us, and they become really good referral sources as well. So breaking it down, it's really centers of influence. So other professionals being the, the primary source, other financial advisors being a very close second, and then clients being our, our third batch referral source. Wonderful. Uh, we're uh, just about ready to close it up. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with the uh, listeners that I didn't touch on, but that you feel sufficiently you know, would be valuable for them to know about either you or Centura just in the remaining moments we have? Sure. I, you know, I, I think I just want to wrap things up by one, thanking you very much for having me on, the, on today's episode, Rod, and reiterate, I think, the value and the importance of having a, a solid professional team around you as a client or a, or a prospect. It's not just a financial advisor. It's not just a CPA. It's not just an estate planning attorney that you need to help make these decisions. It's really having all three of these individuals and in some cases, additional professionals in the mix of everything to really talk with each other, coordinate with each other, understand what, what each different department of, if you will, is doing to ensure that everything is coordinated and driving towards 
you know, really a single solution to meet those client goals. So if I was just going to leave any parting words, I would just say, you know, to make sure that you have the right professional team around you. And as you grow as a client, I mean, your balance sheet grows as your tax situation changes, just to make sure that you're always evaluating that and that your advisors ideally are being proactive in the help and advice they're giving you. And if for some reason you, you're just not feeling that it's a good fit, I think it's a good idea to shop around and, and ask the other professionals that are working well in your professional team if they have other rec- recommendations of people to potentially augment the team with so that you can continue, you know, kind of your path forward and making sure that your plan is always optimized and, and staying towards meeting your longer term and short term goal. Wonderful. Brad, it's been a pleasure to have you uh, on the uh, program today. Again, uh, Rod Hatley of Legacy Leaders interviewing Brett Hughes with Centura Wealth Advisory here in San Diego. Brett, thanks again for sharing the time. I do appreciate it. Likewise, Rod. Thanks so much for having me and uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.